0: everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 89, Top Linux Distros, recorded March 30th, 2013, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. That's right, this week we are coming to you a day earlier. It is Saturday, rather than our usual Sunday recording time. That is because tomorrow is Easter, and we didn't want to pull away from our families on Easter, so we pulled away from our families on the night before easter so if you uh tuned in this week uh on sunday night and we weren't there that's why sorry about that however it did change it on the Alamanopi calendar if you'd been checking you would have known that so shame on you
1: that's right shame shame shame
0: (laughs) and sounding so so good sounding better than ever is the command line godfather mr chris neves chris why do you sound so awesome
1: because we got some new microphones coming and this is awesome <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right baby the very wide voice
1: yeah that's right thanks
0: to our very first sponsor ever and i'm gonna give them a free plug because i like them so much linux uh they sponsored a show a couple of weeks ago i took the check actually the paypal they sent me and i sent it straight to the guys and said upgrade your gear and uh Chris has Seth is, is is on its way hopefully by this time next week uh he will sound all sweet and dulcet and and beautiful but uh if you're a if you're a, a podcaster out there check out the Audio Technica ATR 2100 did i get that right Chris
1: I think so that sounds about right um you if, can pick if, them up if i could reach the box i could tell you but i can't reach it from here
0: it's a combination USB XLR mic so you can plug it into a mixer or just straight into a computer uh it's it's the uh the uh, Audio Technica M4000 is a mic I've been using for a long time. Uh, uh, early on in the shows, uh, uh, Sean still uses one on the Tightwad Tech. Uh, Aaron uses one on One Meal One Workout. They're cheap mics. They're they're between twenty five and thirty dollars. Uh, and and this mic has the same head. It's good solid head. It's a replica of the Shure SM58 uh, on a on a body with a. Uh, a USB slash XLR plus a built-in headphone jack. So it's really great uh, for podcasting for peanuts. So for 60 bucks or so, you can pick this. I think uh, uh, I sent this uh, a stand, a pop filter, and the mic for $70 or less, wasn't it, guys?
1: Something like that. It was close. It was right around there.
0: Yeah. So it's- uh, 65. 65. There you go. So check that out if you're into recording at all, And, uh, and you too can sound like Chris.
1: That's um, right.
0: So happy Easter, everybody, uh, or happy um, celebration following the spring solstice, e- spring equinox of your choice, <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to try to be all inclusive. It's Easter. Dang it. Um, so we're, uh, and actually it's, only, it's not the spring equinox in the Southern Hemisphere, it's the fall equinox so yeah it's there's no way to be um entirely non descriptive uh, d- non discriminatory about that anyway uh so my family uh this is our first Easter here in Georgia. We don't have a lot of traditions uh it's not a big family thing for us. We will just hide Easter eggs over and over and over and over again. That's what we do. My <laughs> girls find them, we hide them they find them, and by the end of the day the the quote unquote hiding is just me walking out the front yard and dumping the bucket out saying okay go find him <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys do for easter
1: well um we've been doing the same thing for a couple of years now where we have a bunch of uh, a couple of our family friends come over with now families of their own now and so i think this year we're going to be boiling up oh i lost count i think it was like 9 to 12 dozen eggs and then we dye all of them, and then we stuff a few hundred more eggs, and then we all have fun finding them tomorrow and trying to remember where they all are. That's so, the
0: important thing, especially if you use real eggs. That's right. It's critical well, that no, you have
1: Notice know. I said there, there were like 10 to 12 dozen eggs that we boil up. Yeah. Yes, there's a lot of eggs in my house, and I can't wait to have deviled eggs.
0: Yeah, I was- <laughs> I would say almost a dozen, meeting, dozen eggs didn't ahead. I'm sorry Seth. I would say almost a dozen eggs in our house didn't even make it to the the post dying activities. They were they were eaten on the spot cuz we're an egg-loving family. All right, Seth, go ahead.
2: No, I remember one time uh, my grandma and I boiled eggs and I colored them up with crayons and everything and we went out in the front yard and hid them. I was the one who hid them. And there was one I could not find. I spent, you know, off and on, I looked for that thing for like probably a year looking to see if there was a rotten egg somewhere in the yard. But I remember that to this day. I don't remember what year it was, but I just remember that we went out to the yard and I hid them and then I could not find them later. So, so. in between the time you hid them
0: and the time you searched them out, a snake or a squirrel uh, found it and said, thank you or
2: very a much. a pussycat. cat, Yeah. No, I I think it was a snake because uh, grandpa had about five acres uh, in uh, Dallas, so uh, wooded. So I think it was a snake, but I don't know. I, I looked for the egg like the, the rest of the day. I was looking all over, even places I didn't go to hide it. I was looking all over that yard for it. I know never found it. And you know yeah, that was a long
0: time ago because there aren't five acres of woods left in Dallas
2: anymore. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. I, I remember was, one I was, year uh, in my house when I was growing up, we were dying real eggs and we it was a year we uh, lost one and we didn't find it for almost a month and we we couldn't find this. And we couldn't track the smell and my dad finally found it and he swore that that was the year there would be no more egg dying in the Neves household. <laughs> and there wasn't it was all plastic after that point but then when i grew up and had my own family now there's egg dying again until of course we lose one egg yeah
0: yeah (laughs) it's it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a lost egg um all right so moving on how about a hundred free gigs of cloud storage that's almost a ho-hum story these days everybody's offering uh, free cloud storage, but a new article in PC World magazine says
2: that Evault,
0: never heard of them, offers 100 gig of free cloud based backup.
2: But a hundred, most of the time it's five gigs right. for right. the free stuff. Yeah, this is a hundred, which is, I mean, that's a lot for cloud based storage for free. But yeah,
1: it almost seems silly.
0: Yeah, here's my theory about that. They can do that because they know nobody will use it. It takes so long to upload a hundred gigs of data that nobody's actually ever going to do it.
2: Yeah. Right. Well, and it's actually, you get 10 gigs for each of the first 10 users. So Ah. it's actually for a small business type person, it could actually be a really cool thing, you know? Um, But anyway, but you get like their full and it, you know, 256 bit encryption, all the other buzzwords I'm sure everybody else has, but I came across the story, and I thought I would pass it along to our listeners. If you want some free, you know, this way you can put part of your files in Dropbox, part in SugarSync, and now you can add part to eVault. And then you got your Google Drive and your SkyDrive as well.
0: Yeah, SkyDrive was 25 and then they took yeah. it away and said, but if you use it, we'll give it back, but not really.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never used um, my SkyDrive for anything. I just said, leave me alone. I only want to use my Hotmail. Yeah. I'm still mad at you for buying Hotmail. It's still not as good as when it was owned by the other guy. Um.
0: <laughs> and horny net geeks all over the world will be disappointed to know that Verizon is doing away with Hot T-Mobile. Chick. Uh, excuse me. T Mobile is doing T-Mobile. away with Hot Chick in black and pink riding a motorcycle. Her her ads uh, have come to an end.
1: That's too bad. Those are always fun to watch.
0: <laughs> yeah, See, they they were so effective, yeah, I didn't remember of- the company that they were for, but I did remember the hot chick on the motorcycle.
1: I got it. T-Mobile, I got you covered. Come on, bring her back. <laughs> that and that, yeah, that I- super hot ninja, that, that ninja, I think that was a ninja she was riding. That thing was awesome. I would love to have that bike.
2: There was a bike on the commercial? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, see? Dang it, I'm the only one that pays attention to car- commercials anymore.
2: <laughs> I was paying attention, I just didn't remember a bike.
0: Her name is Carly Folks. Um, she's been known as the girl in pink, pitching uh, the iPhone 5, uh, but now she's gone. No, no, no uh, idea why. Just probably just decided it was time, you know. I still think Dell should bring back the dude you're getting the Dell guy.
2: Yeah, yeah that would that would be funny can you know if he hadn't gotten busted for smoking weed he might still be the you're getting a dell yeah. yeah but
0: i mean really when you hire that dude can you right. really claim to be surprised when he smokes weed
2: i just dude, remember the whole dude you're, you're, you're going to Adele. jail yeah thing
0: oh. i mean his whole pitch was dude you're getting a dell um you, you have to expect that uh he's living that surfer lifestyle in in more than a few ways yeah, right. All right, on to the listener con uh, comments of the show. By the way, I made uh, uh, a plea last episode for uh, uh, feedback, saying we want to do an all-feedback show. I almost have enough for a whole show. Not quite. Keep them coming, ladies and gentlemen. I say ladies, but it's been pretty much... gentlemen. Uh, Some ladies would be nice, too. Uh, But anyway, uh, good questions, good comments. Uh, uh, It's going to be a good show. I just don't quite have enough to pull it all together yet. But this show, uh, excuse me, this comment uh, um, needed to be addressed right away. A correction from our good friend, Mr. Dowdle, uh, referring to our uh, talking about Revolution OS, the movie that is the oldest torrent on the Pirate Bay. Uh, I commented that... that, uh, that it is obviously a pirated thing because it's not available for free anywhere. And uh, Dowdle corrects me. He says, Just a comment about Revolution OS. It's available on YouTube and has been for some time, as the whole movie and in pieces. I'm guessing the creator, who personally emailed me when I mentioned publicly we were going to watch it at a meeting, realized that having it out there will lead to more sales. I bought the DVD and a few members in our lug bought a copy. Since it's about Linux, some people will just buy it so they can have a good copy and give the creator some money back. A lot of people won't buy it, but given the fact that it came out a long time ago, I'm sure his new sales would be completely flat without people sharing it. So I stand corrected. It is in, va- in fact available for free on YouTube. There you go. And that's, okay. it. that's all we have to say about that.
1: Yeah, there's not much we can say about <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, it's a cool little, it's a video that's uh, about Linux and you should watch it because it's kind of neat, but... Uh Okay, or buy it because you, you think the creator's worth it.
0: Um, I haven't checked it out, frankly. I probably never will. Uh, it's just not something I'm interested in. I don't know. Maybe, maybe someday if I'm bored, I'll uh, I'll watch it. I said I said recently if it was on like in the Netflix queue, I might watch it someday. So now that I know it's on YouTube, and I did go find it, it's not hard to find. Just type in Revolution OS, and it pops up. Uh, it's been dubbed into several different languages, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, yeah. They're on YouTube. So you can. We t- might have
2: to do a Revolution OS episode. <laughs> um, okay,
0: I'll get right on that <laughs> see what happens.
2: All It'd right. be kind of
1: cool if the guy would come on our show, though.
0: Oh uh, yeah, maybe we can make that happen.
1: Maybe. Um, so moving we'll on see. to
0: the news of the week, uh, sort of tying in, kind of a little bit with last week's uh, warm up. Is uh, talking about camouflage links, how um, uh, the trick behind it. I, I mentioned that it had happened to me, Seth said it had happened to him, and H uh, Online gives us a story about how you can obfuscate a link using JavaScript.
2: You know, for a long time, people have put like, you know, wrote out something like www.facebook.com but if you would put a mouse over it and look at where the link was going to go it was going to go to info.com or some site like that well i went to one that i moused over it and it was the right link but then when i clicked on it it brought up another link and that's because it's a javascript thing that allows you to when you hover over something it brings up one URL, but then when you click it, that triggers a separate event and takes you to a totally different URL. And so he talked about it. And, um, anyway, it was just a kind of an interesting article. It was, uh, you know, it was just they've, the spammers and stuff have raised their game. So we've got to take our education up to another level. And I just wanted to share that with people because we're all about informing the public and helping them.
0: And it's four lines of JavaScript code uh, that basically says, anytime you see a link, when you hover over it, show this link, this URL. So you embed that into a script and any link you hover over, into a page rather, any link you hover over will show you that. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how the the browsers uh, try to combat it because you can't just block that code because there may be a valid reason that somebody would want that code in their site so you can't uh, take the unilateral step of saying that this valid uh, javascript code isn't allowed um we'll have to we'll have to see what happens according to the article uh currently um or uh, opera is the only browser where the trick doesn't work
1: that's interesting too why i wonder why opera is the only one that doesn't get fooled by this that's just, it's just weird that out of all the major browsers opera opera really <laughs> opera doesn't get caught by this or it, well it's just- you know it sounds to me
0: like maybe they're not standards compliant and that's why they don't get caught so it's opera doesn't follow valid um uh h uh, javascript because it is valid script and and that, that's always a, a sticky wicket you know uh the um apache foundation caused a kerfuffle a little later on uh, a little while back i mean where they were uh, there was a uh, some code put into the the repo and then later pulled back that would ignore the do not track header uh on uh when ie is there because ie in violation of the spec turns it on and the spec says it can't be turned on by default so uh, somebody decided Somebody with commit access decided that they were going to write some code that says the Apache server will not um, honor that if it comes from IE, and that's a you know it's one of those things where you're doing the wrong thing but for the right reason, you know, and 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 right. trying to trying to uh, to ignore this this JavaScript code is the same sort of thing. There's a good reason you want to do it, but you don't want to ignore completely valid and legal code either, because once you get down that road, you end up with ie6 all over again
1: right you know i wonder something and i haven't i didn't check this out to for the show and i now that i'm reading it i think i should i wonder how like say thunderbird which would render that page because technically you're not in a browser or if not thunderbird say one of the other email well doesn't
0: thunderbird uses the gecko engine right
1: right well, so, uh, the Thunderbird might be caught still by this, but I wonder like if you're using something like Pine or uh,
2: well, yeah, Pine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz everybody's well, into Pine.
1: Uh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying though? I mean or even like K-Mail or Evolution. Yeah. You know, right. would would these guys fall for the same issue or would it or if you have everything set to plain text where there is no, you know, uh, HTML scripting at all allowed, would would this keep you safe? Um Well, I mean,
0: certainly if you can't execute code, you're not going to be able to be fooled, but you also won't be able to use most of the rich mail experience. So it's, you know, it's, I used to run, I don't do it anymore with uh, no script turned on uh, by default because, uh, you know, it's a safety thing, but I found out that most of the web was broken when you turn off scripting. Uh, So, you know, it's...
2: Yeah, and it's just JavaScript. So anything, if if any JavaScript runs on that page, then you know this is just a few lines of code on that page. So
1: um, right, which is why I said if if you're if you're in plain text mode, I think that would probably vo- uh, stop this too. If you have your right. you system reading plain text, text
0: or if you're like Chris and you don't click on links ever in email.
2: Right. But this is not even email. You, can, you could also do this just on a web page, which is like companies like Facebook. Uh, and they mentioned some others in the site, uh, Google as well. It shows one thing, but when you click on it, it goes somewhere else. Right. You know, follow this link to YouTube and it shows youtube.com. But then when you click on it, you go to YouTube slash ZZYQL. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So there are valid reasons to do it. Anyway, it's just one of those things that when you're trying to fight the bad guys, sometimes there are things that you do for the right reasons, you know, and we see that all over the place in, in the law enforcement and, and you know um, you know we could we could say gun control is the same thing. you're doing the wrong thing for the right reason, right? Um, yeah, it, it follows all over in the world and and it's just it's uh, interesting that this is the tech angle on it, but you there's always going to be that balance between um, restricting what people can do for their own good and, you know, letting people have the power to do what they want to do. And that's that was what the whole Apache thing was. People freaked out and said, this is this is not Apache's business. This isn't a server-level issue. This is an application-level issue. Apache should have nothing to do with it. Uh, and the Apache Foundation agreed and said, yeah, you're right. We're going to pull that out. Uh, but, that you know, that's the whole Windows versus Linux thing, right? Windows wants to do things for you uh, to keep you safe and to make things easy and then that's what gets it into trouble because it makes decisions for you and, and people can exploit that. So there's always this balance between letting the user do what the user wants to do and protecting the user from what the user wants to do.
2: Yeah. right. The user doesn't know it, but it's trying to kill itself. So we must stop the user. Right.
0: Well, it's it's like uh, Asimov's three laws, you know, that he wrote about in the iRobot series. Uh, on the surface, they look really good, but as he delved into, there's really a big mess there. You know, when uh, a robot um, cannot harm a human or allow harm to hum- come to a human, but a robot must obey orders. Well, when a robot orders you to do something that's going to hurt him, uh, that hurts you, um, when a human yeah. orders a robot to do something that's going to hurt the human, what do you do? You know, and, and so he he uh, delved into that, but it's the same thing. It's It seems like a good idea, uh, but in the end, right. when, when you have to protect people from themselves, you end up... Sometimes having to hurt them to protect them.
2: We yeah. just need to go back to mosaic. That that'll solve all our problems.
0: <laughs> Forget <laughs> mosaic links. I'm going back to Lynx.
1: There you go. Links. Yeah. There you go. The sad thing is is Lynx actually still works today.
0: Yeah, it's out there. My first internet experience was with Lynx and Pine. I read my email on Pine and I browsed the web on Links.
1: Yeah. Ah, yes.
2: And we liked it. and it was good so i had to walk uphill and stove both ways to do it
0: (laughs) that's right and this next story is not a new story it's been around for a while but we've kind of bounced it a couple of shows uh ubuntu is uh set to become the stand quote standard operating system for china china is going to standardize on ubuntu not on windows not on anything else but ubuntu Uh, obvious they're trying to avoid paying license fee but also they want something they can control right you get into this thing where uh, linux gives you more control more control in the hands of impressive governments equals a tight even tight more tightly locked down operating system that they're going to tweak and make their own so they're using freedom to create something that will impinge on the freedom of their citizens
1: go figure
0: but the real question
1: evil or nothing but go figure
0: The real question here is how is that going to affect the old saw that Linux is a small target and therefore hackers aren't spending a lot of time on it? When it's on, oh, say, a billion Chinese people's computers, it's going to become a much bigger target.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, Um, it'll be very interesting to find out what happens, especially the simple fact that a lot of the so-called bad guys of the internet, some of them are all based in China. So that's going to make things really interesting.
2: Yeah, I just, um you know, I mean, one thing, it will really shoot up Ubuntu's numbers, and it'll become a quote-unquote relevant OS instead of just one of those Linux people. If, And, of course, you know, this is an announcement. Will it happen? I don't know, because I remember a couple of years ago they were going to standardize on a BSD-based OS, right. and... You know, and I read the announcement, and that was all they had to say about that. And so now uh, Ubuntu is the latest darling of the day that China has set. Um, But apparently, they've already started kind of like how, you know, Mint used to be pretty much Ubuntu plus some extras. They've kind of already started with making Ubuntu plus some extras, and then it's going to kind of evolve into its own distro after that.
0: But what what I find interesting there is, you know, China is where all our chips come from. Right. Uh, so the, it, we may reach a point where Linux runs better on the world's computers than any other operating system because the people who design the, or build the chips are building it to get the most out of
1: Linux. That That's going to be interesting. I never thought of it that way.
2: Uh, the, yeah, that part would not be a bad thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, they're building them on spec, right? So Intel designs it sends it out to China, China builds it to their spec. But when China starts building their own spec and they start competing with Intel, um, then I might be able to buy a laptop uh, specifically tuned to the Linux kernel with kernel extensions built right into the hardware and have a machine that is just super tight performance and blows anything else out of the water because it was designed to run uh, on a specific Linux kernel. Uh, and that's that's an interesting concept, uh, you know. So there's now you get into it's a popular uh, operating system, at least with you know the largest, most populated country in the world. Um, it's tuned to run on a specific set of chips. That's a hacker's dream. You get ultimate right. performance on lots of machines. You build a botnet there, you own the world.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. gonna. So sweet. I'm gonna have to start brushing up on my Ubuntu skills <laughs> and maybe some Chinese <laughs> as well. There you go. Uh, and More then, fortune cookies, please.
0: And another story that actually fortune cookies came to China from America. Anyway, well, I know, but no.
2: There. But when you buy or when you get your fortune cookies at the you know, one side has your lucky numbers and the and like um, the saying. Right. The other side now has like um, a Chinese phrase or right. word. Right. You're right. So that was what I was alluding to.
0: So uh this next story is is you know just another in the long line of things that we like to bring out. Um dot uh, PCworld.com likes to say that uh Linux is growing still more uh in the business um, environment. It seems like we'd do this story every quarter uh because it's happening every quarter. People are hiring more Linuxy type peoples. Yeah.
2: Right. And now, of course, you know, for kind of total information, this is a survey that members of the Linux Foundation in User Council uh, did with uh, to organization with sales of at least 500 million and at least 500 employees. So, of course, a Linux group is the one who came up with the study. Um, but having said that, you know, overall server revenue is up, but Linux is up over 12 percent and Microsoft is up just over 3 percent. Microsoft still brings more money, but obviously the gap is closing. Um, Linux is growing huge in the cloud with roughly three quarters of the servers that run cloud initiatives are Linux. And that's about the percentage that plans to grow. Um, And who's the big loser in all of this? It's not
0: Windows. It's Unix. People are dumping their expensive and probably outdated Unix boxes and replacing them with Linux boxes. They're not so much replacing Windows with Linux.
2: Right. Well, at least yeah, not Windows. yet. We'll see how it goes, though. Right. Right. Well, I mean, because Windows is still growing, it's just not growing as fast as, um, as Linux overall. So, you know, eventually Linux will catch up. But uh, over the f- organization's five-year plans, 20% plan to grow Microsoft, 80% plan to grow Linux – and this was a really cool thing, 95% of management views Linux has equally or more strategic to the organization than it was in prior years. And uh, all of it leads to a great problem for the Linux community to have is the uh, rapid growth is contributing to growing concerns about finding trained Linux talent. You know, I remember right back before the tech bubble, if you could basically if you were smart enough to put Microsoft on your resume, you could get a job making fifty or sixty thousand, whether you knew how to do anything or not. Uh, it's almost getting to that point with Linux where, you know, if you know how to type, you know, sudo app git that like get you in the door for the second interview. Um and an interesting response in one of the articles is be- in response to Windows 8. 39% of the companies say they plan to use more Linux. Hmm. That's an so, interesting you number. Know, if you totally have to retrain everything you had, you might as well retrain on something that's not going to cost you anything versus something you have to pay for to then turn around and pay for training. I yeah, guess I mean the-
1: that makes sense. That's it's it's that way no matter what operating system you train to over to. If you're training over to Windows eight, Mac or even Linux. You're spending the same dollars, so why not save a little money on the licensing end?
0: Linux for the win. Yes. Uh, another win in the the world of the patent Uh Texas, <laughs> my home state, Seth's home state, is finally not a bunch of idiots. When it comes to patents, there's a particular court, the uh, 94th Court, I think it is, of, of Eastern Texas. There, there in East Texas, uh, the federal court has been known as very friendly to patent plaintiffs. So when somebody wants to bring a patent lawsuit, they generally bring it in East Texas uh, because the judges there tend to be loonies. Um, but there <laughs> there are a couple of them who've stepped up and, st- and struck a few things down. Uh, by the way, East Texas is—that's where I'm from. That is my home ground. As as is yeah, my too. Yeah. So when when I say they're loonies, uh, I say it with with love in my heart, but also with a lot of experience to back it up. Um,
2: yeah, y'all can't call us loonies because you only see the stupid stuff on TV. We can call ourselves <laughs> yeah. loonies because we see it every day
0: and you know it's a case where you got a bunch of farmers making decisions about patent software patents but anyway uh for the for the not the first time but recently uh a judge said you know this is pretty stupid uh and in his uh pretty uh simple texas way he called it an absurd patent he said you can't patent math so uh a patent troll according to the article um which is written on the uh, Electronic Frontiers Foundation website, called Unilock, sued Rackspace uh, for providing uh, Linux-based servers. Red Hat, which the, supplies the servers to Rackspace, stepped up in and, and the defense. And, and here's the thing. The patent was for, quote, a method for processing floating-point numbers. And after all the discovery and everything was done, the judge said, you can't patent math get out of my court.
1: Well, yeah. good for the judge. Yes.
2: I was going to go patent arithmetic and basically sue every college and <laughs> school in the world uh, had that pass. You know, you can't add two numbers together. Imagine Walmart every time they ring up a thing having to pay me royalties on adding prices together. That would be a great patent to have.
0: Now, Now, just let's be fair about this, all right? This is not the court's fault. This patent should never have been issued. This is a legal patent. It is issued. It was approved. It was handed out. There's a document that says patent number whatever whatever for for calculating floating point numbers. No! That's stupid. That is a patent that should never exist. A patent is supposed to be on a thing that exists, not on a process. Process patents are stupid, but software patents, idea patents are even more stupid. Just because you've got an idea doesn't mean you have a product. A patent is supposed to protect a product, not the product of two uh, two s- numbers.
1: Nice, nice. That was yeah. good, Mark. Did you actually <laughs> plan that one? No, it just came came out right there at the start
2: of the moment. <laughs> that was good. I was about to do the whole thing and <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't do it. So that was that was great. I like that. Protect a product, not a product of numbers. Good one. Yeah.
0: I was I was trying to come up with the word two factorials, but I I couldn't, so I stuck with numbers. So anyway, um, there you go, a win for common sense. This isn't a win for Linux. This isn't a win for open source. It's a win for not being stupid.
2: And those are few and far between these days. So <laughs> yeah. We'll take them. And when they're we can getting get
1: them. and they're getting farther and farther between, which is yeah. sad.
2: Yes.
0: And uh, as in another BS article of the week, uh, this is not so much a news article, but something posted on Reddit. Seth, prepare your BS meter.
2: Yeah, um, somebody posted on Reddit. Why does Linux detect hardware and mount volumes near instantly while Windows has to spend five minutes searching for drivers? And it wasn't so much that, but he went on to talk about how Windows is old, bloated, proprietary software that can't bundle drivers, so it has to look. And Linux is lean, mean it has everything. You know, I just got to tell you, people, if you're going to get online, let's be real. If you have seen the latest version of Windows, Windows 8, dude, Windows 8 flies through stuff like this, at least as fast as the modern Linux distros. Um, So... It's not because Linux is better than Microsoft. It's just because, for whatever instance, Linux had those drivers and Windows didn't. You could pull up another computer. I mean, pull out a computer and try to get Linux to find a wireless card. That's right. And I got t-
0: <laughs> for, for all of you out there who want to claim Linux is awesome at driver support, I got one word for you. Broadcom. Boom.
1: That yeah. just happened. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was going to say sound drivers, because how long did that take before we had sound drivers that worked every time?
2: Yeah, I had to drop Ubuntu from my netbook because when they came out, I think it was with version 11, all of a sudden my wireless car, which had worked fine for two previous versions, didn't work anymore. And Ubuntu said, ah, no, we don't need that anymore. Um, so I had to go to another distro. So it's not Linux. It is one particular OS versus a particular driver. So come on, people. Quit. Um, just quit being stupid. Or us East Texans are going to come set you straight. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, And this is, you know, uh, while we just uh, busted on Linux for uh, Broadcom support, uh, here's a little win for Linux. Um, How about this? When was the last time you rebooted your server? I bet it was longer ago than this one. That last rebooted, September 23rd, 1996.
1: Good Lord, I can't believe that. That's just nuts.
2: So, yeah. And the reason they took it offline was because the hard drives hadn't failed, but they were making these weird noises. And this is a pair of five and a quarter inch, 800 (laughs) megabyte quantum SCSI devices. So, had this been in the era of plug and play, they could have just took those out and popped some more in and not even had to restart it so you know congratulations Novell you got your front runners disease and (laughs) fell apart but you made a good stable server based OS this was
0: Novell Netware uh, 2.0 running on a 386 processor uptime 6,030 days 5 hours 21 minutes and 19 seconds holy crap
1: Good lord. That is just unreal. Could you imagine That's that right now? On any the server I mean, just think about all the servers that run and have to be rebooted every month. This is just see? This is why people need to run Linux. You never have but, to Well, reboot. this
2: is not Linux, this is netware.
1: Right. Yeah, well, but okay. It, but it you, same basic you don't
2: idea. You don't expect a server you buy today to last 16 years. You expect the hard drives to fail in a couple of years, the power supplies to go out. The, you know, you, you, you don't ex- man, we used to know how to build stuff.
0: Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump in there and say these hard drives were probably spinning at a tenth the speed of a modern hard drive. Right. So in terms of cycles that these hard drives span, spun, they're probably not up to the lifespan of a five-year-old server today. So, let's let's compare apples to apples in terms of the amount of work done on this 386, the number of, of floating point calculations made, assuming it had a math coprocessor, uh, and the number of times the disk spun around, it's probably equivalent to the amount of work a server does now in about five years.
2: Well, okay, that's true. But still, 16 years is 16 years. Yes. I mean, for a punch card operator, the last 16 years would be a great thing. <laughs>
0: And what I think is going to be our last news story of the night uh the uh the whole Windows 8 secure boot thing has popped up again. And now it is being uh debated in European courts.
1: Really? That's entertaining. That should be entertaining to see what happens cuz knowing you know the European courts that's going to be busted and broken and slammed into about 30 different billion pieces. So yeah, Thanks for trying Windows. I have a feeling it's well, going to be the end.
2: Yeah, you know, um, and of course, I don't know what they will make of it. But reading the article, it was—I um, don't, I don't know. I just because. Um, y- it's not that Secure Boot doesn't like Linux. I mean, remember the Samsung machines that only had Windows that got broke? So uh it's more people's implementations of it, I think, is the problem. Because this article makes a good point that, you know, Microsoft is only one of the companies out there uh that are involved in it. And, you know, you don't have to use it. But if you want to run Windows 8, you do. You have a choice with whether to run Windows 8 or not. So Yeah,
0: I'm with you on this one, Seth. This is a hardware platform that's been developed. The only thing Microsoft has done is said, we won't give you the little sticker on your computer unless you support this uh, hardware code. Uh, This is not a Microsoft technology. They didn't invent it. They're not pushing it, really. They're just saying this is what we consider to be the minimum workstation. And so for them to be sued, I think is a little ridiculous. And I think it's telling that it's being done in Spain uh, instead of in the U.S.
2: Right. I just, you know, I don't, as long as there's the option for the end user to turn it off, you know, it's one of those things where we give you the option this time and the next time we don't give you the option, then I would be against it. But if I have the option to turn it off, then I don't see what the problem is. As long, you know, like I say, and even then, if some hardware manufacturer wants to not give you the option, that's you would need to sue that hardware manufacturer and not really Microsoft. Now, And, you know, so if Microsoft said you can't give them the option, then maybe sue them. But over this, I don't I don't think so.
1: Well, I can hope, can I come on now, give me at least a little (laughs) bit of credit here
2: uh yeah, sorry. I'm I'm basking in that East Texas win. We uh we don't <laughs> want the stupid lawsuits around anymore.
0: Here's my thing about Secure Boot or UEFI. I don't want it um abolished. I want it working. You know, if it just worked, there wouldn't be any issues. The problem right. is it's badly implemented. It does not work as designed and it's being pushed out because Microsoft said you don't get our sticker unless you do it.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, I kind of don't like that Microsoft is the one who kind of controls the keys to it. You know, it should be some, or I don't even really know. Do they control the keys, or does this uh, does the that consortium control them, and it's just Microsoft's the biggest player in it? So
0: you just have to have a signed, according to the spec, all you have to have is a signed bootloader essentially, and it doesn't matter who signs it. It's just got to be a valid signature. That's the spec. The implementation is it's got to be Windows 8. And if it doesn't say Windows 8, it don't work. Um, and that's, you know, so it's a, it's hurriedly, it was rushed out there, it's badly implemented. It's not a bad idea, it's a bad implementation of a good idea.
1: Yeah, and that's typical for any of these broken products when they come out anyway. You know, that, that just seems to be the norm lately is to rush something to market, not have it ready, and then fix it, and then eventually have it ready again. Yeah, and the
2: basic- no, that sounds like Microsoft right there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, the basic <laughs> idea is everybody we sell to runs Windows, so as long as it works on Windows, we're good. And so that's why it can be something as simple as it reads a line to see if it says Windows. Oh, good, then we're good. And that's not UEFI. That's not how it's designed. It's not how it's supposed to be designed, but they're just trying to get something to market because there's, you know, when Microsoft wants to sell copies of Windows 8, Intel wants to sell chips, uh, Dell wants to sell computers, and none of that can happen until they figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. So really, it was just being pushed too soon.
2: Yeah. And you think you should realize nobody was going to buy Windows 8, so there was no need to <laughs> rush the
1: thing. Oh, Take man. your time. I don't want to go down ride. the Windows 8 path. I'll bash that all day long.
0: Yeah. Um it's it's the new Vista. It's the new Vista.
1: Oh, it's worse. It's the new Millennium.
0: <laughs> the oh. mistake edition, yes. I was one of the few who, f- who shucked out full dollar for that one. $128, I think it was, for my copy of Windows ME. And I regretted it to this day. I, I want my money back, Microsoft.
1: Shame, shame, shame.
2: I just remember I was working in a call center, and this person called in who had Windows Millennium, and I was looking for resources for it. So I went to the official Microsoft Millennium support site, and the one and only article on that website was the top 10 reasons to upgrade to XP. Nice. That was <laughs> The only support Millennium had was, this is why you should upgrade to XP. Here's what we have to say
0: about Windows Millennium.
2: Buy XP.
1: Thank (laughs) you. That sounds like Microsoft to start right there.
2: They should have just renamed it Windows XP Beta. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
0: anyway. Okay, moving on along. The topic of this week is uh, uh, top Linux distros, and it it starts from an article uh, in uh, linux.com where uh, the author of the article uh, really just lays out their opinion of the top articles, Miss Catherine Noyes. Um, And it's not really, it's very subjective. Everything about it is subjective, but I liked the idea of it, and so I thought we would read her top distribution selections, give our own top distribution selections. And we've got a couple of other things here. If we have time uh, about uh, maybe some of the pitfalls of using the top or not using the top uh, selections. So um, she's got it broken up into categories here. And we're just going to go uh, down uh, the list here on the desktop. <coughs> according to miss Noyas I hope I'm saying her name, right. Uh, actually, it doesn't matter. She's not going to listen. Um, her, Best desktop desktop distro is, it's not Mint, it's not Ubuntu, it's Fuduntu. That's her number one desktop Linux distribution. And uh, for her reason, uh, she goes on to say that it's uh, it's one of the best up-and-comers. It's based on Fedora. Um, it's got the classic GNOME 2 interface that, that everybody seems to prefer. Uh, and it's the, even though Ubuntu is great... Uh it's just got too many problems to be the best. And she recommends Feduntu. Hmm. What do you guys have to say about that? Chris, what is your top desktop uh pick?
1: Well, my top one is definitely not Feduntu. Uh my top one is Fedora, to tell you the truth, but that's pretty obvious if anybody's been listening to this show for any length of time.
2: Yeah. Said the Fedora ambassador. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I knew that was going to come up. I knew it. I knew it. I just was expecting Mark to slam me with that one. But I will say this, though. Um, after I'm done with my current trial of that horrible, horrible thing they call an, an operating system Ubuntu, uh, I will be giving Feduntu a full-out actual 30-day trial on my laptop. So we'll see what the next 30 days of heck turns
0: into <laughs> and i'm gonna go on uh, and through hers and and we won't do our top for every one of them but uh she breaks it down and i think this is an interesting uh distinction here the best desktop distro versus the best laptop distro in my mind there is no difference um i don't really see why you would have one and not the other and in fact she says Fedora is the one that she uses for the laptop so she agrees with me even though for word count, she broke them up into different categories. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I, I, I mean, why uh, maybe touch interface is the only reason I could think of that you would want something different on your laptop versus your desktop? You guys got any ideas?
2: Battery life. Yeah, that's okay. true.
0: Power management. All right. I'll give you that.
2: Right. And desktops, multiple monitors is becoming almost the norm. That's so, true. you know, um, that would be a possible reason. And more bleeding edge hardware, maybe. Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah, so I could see if, if one distro does not uh, handle multiple monitors well, you might use a different one on your desktop. But personally, I want the same one. I want to be able to move environments back and forth. You know, And, of course, at work, I don't even use a desktop. I dock my laptop. And I think that's becoming more and more common is yeah. people only have one machine.
1: Yeah, I think you're in. I think Mark, I think you're in this the the soon to be typical boat where you bring your per your work laptop home with you, do your work, bring it back to work, and then dock it back into your bay or something similar.
0: Yeah, so I've got uh, you know it's just a company issued Dell laptop, nothing special about it. Uh, but Is it's, it's got, the got a 6530. I don't know. I'm not going to advertise for Dell in this show, uh, but it's uh <laughs> I've got two monitors and a keyboard and a mouse and a dock. So I take my laptop to work, I plunk it in, and, and now I've got a full, you know, admittedly, uh, laptops are always going to be slower than their desktop counterpoints, uh, counterparts, but uh, they're getting so fast now that even though they're slower, they're still more than enough. Yeah. So I, I think the laptop is becoming the form factor of choice, and not a lot of people are still docking them or, or docking them right now, but I think it's going to become more, more of a big thing. Like I think um, – Microsoft's kind of on something, onto something that with their, uh, with their Surface, right? That's essentially a a, a tablet with a dock, right? You dock it into the keyboard. I think that's where we're going to be going. It's one device that you carry with you, and you have different places where you put it. So you might dock it and have two monitors and a keyboard. Uh, you might dock it in and just have a mobile keyboard. You might plug it into your dashboard and it becomes the operating system for your car that controls the fuel injection and all of that. You know, uh, I can see a, envision a world where the, everybody has their their central processor that they carry with them everywhere they go and interface with it in different ways. Maybe Google Glass you know, is one interface and a keyboard is another and you know, a touch interface is another and a gesture interface on, on the wall is another.
1: Yeah, I could see it doing that too. I mean that that's that's where I think everyone's trying to get to with these super smartphones. Um how many times have okay. you seen someone whip out a, a then what is that, the Note 2 where it has a the mm-hmm. stylus it does stylus work, touch work, works as a phone, and you can dock it into a bay and you have a computer uh, a limited computer system. Eventually it's going to get to the point where everything is driven by your little tablet that you carry with you. Right.
0: Yeah, I've said it before on the show. When you're walking around with a quad core i7 in your pocket, that opens up a whole new world.
1: Yeah, and battery yes, management. Once they figure that out, yeah,
0: is that an i7 in your pocket, or you're just glad to see me? Uh,
1: or and is the that best- a hole in your
0: pocket? I'm on fire! <laughs> <laughs> it's on fire! The, the best server distribution, uh, is, so far. By the way, I haven't agreed with any of these. Uh, I don't think Feduntu is the best. I've, I have. Only used it very briefly, but that's not where I would go. And on the on the enterprise, she says uh, SUSE uh, Linux and uh, is an uh, honorable mention, but Red Hat Enterprise Linux is the clear leader, is the way she puts it, with, a, with the right combination of security, interoperability, productivity applications, and management features. Uh, personally, I would go with CentOS on that, which is essentially Red Hat Enterprise Linux without the price tag
2: right but you know you got to think enterprise who pays for support and that is one of the differentiators with red hat so i i, I can't agree with her on that you know not necessarily the tight-wide enterprise but enterprise in general having someone to call when something breaks is a good thing yeah so.
0: but and this is this is what i've always said to my employers all support is bad support period end of discussion all support is bad so why pay for bad support
1: that's why you're paying me exactly right
2: because you can pass the buck well we've contacted support yeah. and they're not doing it it's yep. not my fault we've
0: got a support ticket in with red hat so i'm gonna go back to my mahjong thank you very much
2: that's yeah. right
1: mahjong and you, you, you need to upgrade to themselves. doom or something
0: <laughs> i don't know it's the first thing it came to own um <laughs> And uh, for the best security-enhanced distribution, all right, really, I think you're just padding your word length there for your article when you have a best security-enhanced distribution. Uh, but I totally agree with this pick, by the way. Backtrack Linux is the way to go if you want super security um and really, it's it's for pen testing more than anything. It's it's for testing other people's security more than it is you being secure. Yeah, I would say, say this isn't security enhanced.
1: This is security penetration. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's not called Backtrack anymore. Just so you guys know, uh, they've changed their name to, to what? I don't remember off the top of my head.
0: Well, but. backtrack and find
2: it out.
1: Put uh, let's see.
2: Wait a minute. It's still Backtrack 5R3 is the latest thing on their website. So Yeah,
1: no, they're, it's going to be on their next, I think, their next version of releases. Um, they're changing their name to something else. Um, it was up on, oh, I can't remember what other, it was another Linux podcast that brought it up. I'll have to see if I can find out what they're going to. But Chris. yeah, they're oh, changing Chris. their name to something else.
0: There are no other Linux podcasts. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: There is only. Uh-huh. One. There
0: can be only one.
2: Okay, Cali Linux. That's it. Oh, that's, that's a it.
0: better name. Cali Linux, really?
2: Yep. Well, they're that's trying the to new compete name. with Katana or Cantana, whatever it is. All right. Which I don't think I don't think Catherine has heard about, um, because they're another pretty good one for pen testing and all of that. Uh yeah. okay, and moving
0: on, best media distribution. I totally don't get this pick at all. <laughs> But I'm sure the literal net will let me know, as they always do, Arch Linux is the best (laughs) multimedia distribution.
1: A what? Um,
2: I need a little help on that one.
1: Yeah, I do too. That one I don't understand.
2: It gives you more computer cycles for the actual multimedia. Maybe. (laughs) That's what she says, too.
0: Yeah, she says that uh Ubuntu Studio, which is sort of the lo- logical contender there, um has been named the best uh, distro, but for sheer power and nimble performance though, the nod this year goes to Arch Linux. Um okay. Um I- okay. I don't know uh, I'm lost.
1: I don't understand. Someone please enlighten me because I could think of other ways than Ar- Arch yeah. for <sighs> multimedia distribution. Um, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a loss at this one.
0: All right. Moving on best multimedia. Oh no, I just did that one. Best gaming distribution. Finally, she does one. Somebody's heard of. She says that Ubuntu is best for gaming largely because of, uh, support, uh, the widest range of software support and driver support. And I totally agree with her on that
2: one. And plus, um, you know, this came out a few weeks ago and I think at the time, steam was only officially released on ubuntu so that would be a big uh notch in their cap that now is more passed around to the whole linux community so yeah and say it's
1: widely open not any distribution they, they they've they changed their license so that way anybody can repackage their code and and distribute it so
0: so there you go those her seven top uh best distros so chris through the notes there. What are your top seven? And I'll be honest with you, I couldn't come up with seven. Um, so Chris, we'll just let you start first. Name your top seven and why.
1: All right. Well, for me, um, I was just going off of the top seven that I would normally pick from. If I were to to, to spin up a new machine, um, I would definitely go through these ones. These would be the ones I would look at first. Fedora is number one for me. Uh, Mint is number two, just because it's Um, Ubuntu driven it it has the best support like she was saying Uh, next to that would be OpenSUSE. gotta love my OpenSusie Uh, their newest distribution kicks butt but uh, um, after that would be Kubuntu Crunchbang Puppy and then I have to give an honorable mention to Fuduntu because I am going to give them a good shaking to find out if I like them or if my original nod and, and shaking off was worth it or not
0: I find it interesting that stock Ubuntu is nowhere in your list.
1: As I you, you want, hate yep. stock Ubuntu, and that's heavily driven off of what I'm going through right now.
0: Right, and so Kubuntu, which is Ubuntu with KDE, your favorite windowing system, uh, makes the list. But stock Ubuntu based on GNOME three, not so much.
1: Yeah, um, no, nope. <laughs> I, I hate I hate my my Unity interface playing that I'm, I'm digging through right now. I think I'd rather have my eyes gouged out with sporks. Well,
0: Chris, I don't it. think we've talked about it on the show. We've talked about it off the air in, in emails. Why are <laughs> you so heavily invested in Ubuntu right now?
1: Uh, I have, with all my different challenges lately, I have actually uh, taken the, the challenge from one, of my, from one of our listeners. He, uh, he challenged me to a, uh, 30 days of nothing but unity. And right now, I hate you. <laughs> and you're on I, what day four? Uh, I know it's. I've on a, almost a week, so this would be okay. six days. Because after the after we read this stuff on Sunday last week, I installed the. I put um, Ubuntu on a thumb drive, zapped it on the laptop that night, and been using it ever since. And I hate you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that uh, that would be Richard Shortland. Uh, I always just call him Richard. I usually just say first names, but he sent me an email and said, you feel free to use my surname. And I said, but I've already got a surname. Thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) So Richard Shortland threw down that gauntlet and said, uh, here's my challenge. And then he came back and said, all right, Chris, you give me a challenge. And uh, Chris reached back out and said, "What do you guys think it should be?" And and he doesn't know this. This will be the first time he's hearing it. I said you should challenge him to use only the command line, including Pine and Lynx or Curl, uh, for everything he does for the next two weeks.
1: And I I actually defended you off of this when I was like, <clears throat> you know, that's that's a little rough. Maybe not so bad, but after a week of uh, of unity, that might be the challenge. <laughs> So he's going to
0: wait until after the month and figure out how much he hates you, Richard, and then he will throw down the gauntlet for you.
1: Because that's the only way to make it fair. Cuz right now, if I were to with with the the anger that I'm at right now, I would definitely say not 2 weeks, not 3 weeks, but a month of command line
2: only for
1: you. And the gooey kid
0: just vomited in his mouth a little bit.
2: I I'm sorry. I passed out from something. <laughs> what have y'all been talking about? Uh, could you
0: imagine having to do Facebook via curl? That would Ooh. just be awesome.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or this show. Try to try to go to our website and download this show via curl. <laughs> or well,
1: that or would why? be too bad. Curl would be too bad. Or or WGit. But, man, doing anything other than basic web browsing and emailing would be definitely painful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, let's let's do Google Docs via command line interface. Let's do that. <laughs> um anyway, so there that's a that's a that's a that's a a, 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 masaca- a sadistic challenge right there to to say use only the command line, but I thought it fitting from the command line godfather.
1: And it's getting close. I'm actually thinking about doing that.
0: <laughs> All right, so my top Distro's I can't say seven because I couldn't come up with seven because honestly I wouldn't recommend there aren't seven that I would recommend uh, for people to use number one Mint just because it's slick and I like it even though every time I mention Mint I have to throw this out there Mint uh, the way they do things is not entirely legal inside the United States so just be aware of that uh, the next one being Ubuntu because you can get rid of Unity uh, I who I don't know I might live with Unity I might give it a try again it's been a while since I tried it. But again, Ubuntu is well-supported. It's versatile. You can put anything on it and make it work. And if you're not going to have the eye candy of Mint, which is really the reason to use Mint, is the eye candy and the the included packages, if you decided you're not going to do that, take Ubuntu, which is super customizable, and have turned it into your own Mint. Uh, next one, a not well-known uh, distribution, but one I like a lot, called PC Linux OS. It's the most Windows-like um linux i've used in terms of uh when i was in working and managing a domain it was the easiest one to drop in the domain and control and uh the students didn't have any issues with it and i liked it it was pretty it's kde based that was, should make you happy uh chris um so that would be my uh my top three for the desktop uh my top utility uh, linux distribution Poppy linux is always my go-to there's just there's I'm not going to say there's nothing, but there's very little you can't do with Puppy. Uh, and you can throw it on a USB stick or a CD or uh, I think the days have sailed when you could put it on a floppy. Uh, but it, it's small, it's lightweight, and it's super versatile. So that's my utility of choice. I keep a, 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 I have a USB stick with multi-boot on it in my pocket at all times. Yes, I'm a geek. And it has on it Spinrite. Great tool. GRC.com right
2: it's um, awesome worth uh, every penny yes. uh, that, and, that, that that tells you how good it is yeah, i shelled yeah. out money
0: for all it. three of us paid for it that's how good it is uh so spinwright it has a copy of uh, uh ubuntu on it and it has a copy of puppy linux on it so those are the the three things that i can fix pretty much any problem with uh if i need it um and then for the server in my world centos is king there is nothing that comes close um, it's not not for a desktop. You're not going to have the latest packages for video and audio, and and the you know you're going to be using a very old version of an office suite if you put it on there, and an old version of the browser, and you're not going to be able to put uh, the latest Flash or Java on it, which is actually probably a pretty good thing. Uh, but in terms of the server, where you need rock solid performance that just works every time. Centos is the way to go. Totally free, totally open source, and it is a clone. It is a rip out of Red Hat's open source components, um, and it's just it's it's butter. So those are my uh, top uh, six. No, top five. Top five distros. I couldn't come up with two more because frankly, that's everything you need right there.
1: Yeah, I would. I'll I'll have to add. You know, if if I didn't think server driven, um, I would have put CentOS in mine as well. If if I was going server. Um I just wish that Fog had a little better support for CentOS for my particular machines at work.
0: Yep. There are two there are a couple of servers. Uh my backup PC server ran on Ubuntu uh because it was at the time that was the only repository it was in. Now it's it's on more. Um and my Fog server ran on Ubuntu, but everything else pretty much I think was was straight up. No, I had a Kaltura. I don't know if you've heard of Kaltura Um, it's kind of, it's kind of old now and hasn't really moved forward that I know of, but it's a, it's think YouTube on your own box. You let your users upload their own video, uh, and you can serve it out and it's great and it's open source and it's, it's a wonderful tool, but it needed, um, needed, it would not run on anything with (coughs) Ubuntu. So, you know, those were the two I ran, Ubuntu and CentOS.
2: There
1: you go.
0: Seth, what is your top list of Linux distros and why?
2: Well, Mint, um, honestly, it's the one I'm most familiar with. Uh, it's easy to get around and do stuff. You can do lots of stuff from the GUI, but the command line isn't too difficult in it. And then Ubuntu... Um, You know with the small screen sizes i was working with uh the unity interface was actually perfect for that and actually the unity interface is kind of what the netbook remix used to look like and so if you don't have a lot of screen real estate it kind of doesn't get in the way uh puppy makes my list i love puppy linux i use it uh to partition hard drives like when i want to shrink my windows partition it's a great thing to do um uh, another Linux distro that I really like is the Kapersky rescue disc for whenever a windows machine has a root virus, uh, or root kit on it. And somebody's paying you money to fix it. Uh, you can break out the Kapersky rescue disc and, uh, you know, and it's one of those things, it's actually a distro. You can pull up a web browser and do stuff like that while it's running. So you're not just, you know, bored to tears while a command line scans running. Um, <laughs> <When> I,
0: <laughs> so that's why you like it, because you can watch cat videos while you're running a scan.
2: Well, no, but it it does um of all of the um live C D AVs that I've tried, they've been the best one. They have found what others haven't. So um you know, you could there's others you could go there, but for me, they make the best one. Uh if I have to uh if I have to install a server for something, CentOS is pretty good. Um, and my last two are kind of specialty uh, G4L, which is great if you want to clone one disk to another. Uh, it used to stand for Ghost for Linux, but now it's just G4L. And the last one is the Trinity Rescue Kit um, for whenever you need to reset Windows passwords. And so I, those are my top seven.
0: I had forgotten about G4L. That's that's one I used regularly as well. Uh, of course, we used Fog for enterprise stuff, but for one-offs... Uh, G4L is a great tool. It um, it can clone disk to disk, like you, to, you got two disks in the machine, same machine, or it can push an image up to an FTP server and pull it back down, um, and there was a, a bit of a... Go ahead, Seth.
2: I was going to say, the hard drives don't have to be the same size. Right. It can go to a smaller or larger hard drive just as long as the receiving one has enough room to hold all the data, which you know and today that's probably not a big deal but a few years ago when we were really using it that was kind of a what? Oh my gosh, yeah. it doesn't have to be the same size? That's amazing. Yeah,
0: NTFS resizing big deal. Um there was a bit of a kerfuffle on the interwebs a while back about uh G4L. Uh a guy said that the G4L uh totally ripped off his code uh and used it to build g4l and said don't use it it's terrible in fact i remember the the exact line was uh i uh i you should not only use it but you should despise this man um but then uh g4l was picked up by a new developer who totally rewrote it taking out all of the suspect code and either rewriting it or putting it uh back in uh or putting putting back in his own so that's the way to, uh, to to make sure that everything is on the up and up. He just did away with everything that the other guy was complaining about. So now you can use G4L and still satisfy your Stallman-like um, uh, sensibilities. And there's a bit of a, a, a slap fight going on in the notes about Clonezilla. Um, Clonezilla is okay. Um, from I've used it a little bit. Uh, I like G4L better.
1: I'll give it a shot. I was the CloneZilla guy, just so you guys know. I've been using CloneZilla for a lot of one-off imagings for a long time, so uh, if actually, you ever tried GFL, G4L, I'll have to give it a spin
2: see what I think. We need to kind of switch on this, Chris, because G4L is pretty much just a command line. That's right, so, and CloneZilla uh, is
0: much more GUI. Yeah.
2: yeah <laughs>
1: it's, it's like not really. CloneZilla doesn't have much GUI at all. It's an it's, uh, end curses base, so yeah. I would say that's well, still command line.
2: Well, G4L is you have to input something with your keyboard for every step. So you don't get more command line than that. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. It's,
0: it's been a long time since I used Clonezilla, uh, but in my remembering of it was that it didn't have the ability to push up at the time to a server, which is why it didn't meet my needs. It had to be disk to disk or disk to, I think it do a USB image but it couldn't go up to a server at the time I tried it out.
1: Oh, it does now. It, it it'll do pretty much any f- server format, you know, N- NFS uh Samba I don't think it does FTP. I don't know if it does FTP. I've never tried. Um, but it it does networking, but I've personally whenever I've used Clonezilla, I've always done disk to disk because I've never done anything else. Right. So yeah, that's that's
0: a really uh nerd fantastic uh, bit of divergence there the everyday linux user user doesn't know what we're talking about and doesn't care but the enterprise linux user uh if you're not using either fog or g4l or clonezilla you're a moron go go Wait. download them F- fog will change your life if you support more than 20 machines oh, fog God, will change yes. your life
2: but you know even the home user if you have a one gig terabyte hard drive and you want to buy a three gig terabyte hard drive you can just use g4l to to swap that over and you know power off boot this up swap it over then put your hard drive in and never miss a beat and trust me y- you can do it it is very simple
0: yeah i i know you just misspoke seth but i can't let gig terabyte go by what oh, is a sorry. gig terabyte
2: <laughs> oh, a one terabyte hard drive versus a three terabyte hard drive. Yeah. So, hey, sorry. I would have
0: let it go if you hadn't said it twice back to back. And then I was like, maybe this is something I don't know about. A thousand terabytes? Is, that, is this a new thing? That would be awesome. Yeah, that,
2: that's my flash drive. You don't have one that
0: size? <laughs> <nice? laughs> On sale at com slash Amazon for only $1 million
1: or more. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That'd be a good, even 1% of that would make me super happy. Uh, by the way we haven't mentioned it in a while if you're going to amazon go to elementopicom slash amazon it'll take you to amazon you'll get the same interface the same prices nothing will change but i'll get a a couple of percentage points uh, of every purchase you make and that would be a good thing so far in the couple of years that i've been doing it i've made like 200 bucks that's not a lot but hey it's 200 bucks more than i had and i have you to thank for it
1: so thanks guys it helps offset the cost for the server and everything else. So keep it going, guys. And then donate more money to us so we can keep more things going. And sponsors, come on. We know you're out there.
2: Yeah, Come on. Where else are you going to get this kind of content? Well, I don't know.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny because we, we're, we're just regular guys and, and, and – uh we feel like we're just kind of sitting here pulling stuff out of our butt most of the time but some of the feedback we get is really pretty amazing it's like you guys are my favorite show uh i listen to you first and and i go back and i re-listen to shows and and frankly i think you're a little nuts i mean i love you i'm glad you're out there (laughs) but i think you're a little insane uh for making this your favorite show and 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 listening to it over and over but i'm glad you do um keep it up you know if you're that sycophantic and want to help me out, there's a tip jar right at the top of elementopi.com. You can send me some money.
1: <laughs> Pseudo, bring your friends. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Pseudo, click <Yeah>. tip.
0: <laughs> there there are really four things that you can do Um, above anything else to help this show grow. Number one, tell people about it. Share. Uh, again, I keep making that plea. Go to iTunes. I know I know how painful it is. I know what I'm asking. Believe me, I don't ask it lightly. Go to iTunes, make a rating, leave a review. That would be awesome. Number two, tell people about it. Wait, that's what I said was number one. Number two um, is is comment, feedback. Let us know uh, what we're doing. Really, those are the top two. Before you've paid us a thing or or done any referrals or any of that, those are the top two things you can do. Number three, um, use the referral links. Uh, Right now, we've got Amazon is the only one up there. The others really just don't pay enough. Uh, to make it worth even your effort, even that much effort of replacing a a, um, a bookmark, but if you're an online guy, if you're an amazon prime prime subscriber and you 're using prime all the time using Amazon all the time, just swap out your bookmark to elementopi.com slash amazon it doesn't change anything to you, and it gives me money it 's a win win and number four, and it really is at the bottom of the list: donate. But if you're out there spreading the word and downloading and being an evangelist for this show, that's more important than giving me your money. So that's just a little, little uh, free tirade there. Uh, because I get that—that's a question I get oftentimes. You know, how can I help? I wish I could pay back whatever I, you guys have have given me so much of in terms of entertainment and knowledge. And that's awesome. Um, I'm we love that kind of feedback. Um, and, but really. You know, as much as I'd like you to just open up your wallet and throw money at me, it's more important that you spread the word. Uh because numbers generate income.
1: That's right. But we won't turn away a donation if you're gonna do it.
0: Absolutely. And every <laughs> bit of the show, as I said at the beginning of the show, uh, you know, I got some money coming in, and it went right back out. I didn't keep a penny of it. Um you know i would like that to change in this in the near future i would like to actually keep put some pennies uh but the, all the money that i get goes right back into the expenses the the website the uh the bandwidth the buying gear for myself and for uh the other hosts so um you're doing you, you know you're doing the work of the podcast you're not just lining my pockets when you throw money at me Whew. all right um chris what is your link uh, your tip of the week
1: well, this week is more of a link because I found it and I kind of laughed when I found it because I'm a Vim guy and this is a Vim thing, but it's a way to learn how Vim works so uh without being driven through a command line, um it it it's turns it into a game. So you li- you learn the the commands of Vim with a game and it's all web driven. It's kind of funny. It's vim-adventures.com.
2: Um, so, what you're saying is it's a brainwashing site, Chris. Did I hear you correctly yeah, on that? Kind of. Uh, but it,
1: it, it's one of those things. If you're trying to learn your command line and you're trying to learn how Vim and Vi work, this is a good way to learn the commands, you know, how to move up and down, back and forth, jumping forward and back in text uh, without having to try and memorize things because they turn it into a game. And we all know that games teach people things, or at least that's what the schools are trying to push down our throats.
0: This this makes me sad. The fact that this site exists makes me sad. I I, I need I need Prozac now.
1: Oh come on, it's not that bad.
0: It's just it, it makes me sad. It's called G Edit, people. It's not that hard. G and the word edit. And you don't need a game to learn how to use it. There's a mouse and a keyboard and you clicky typey.
1: But that's if you have a, a, a desktop environment to install if you don't have one or your desktop environment is broken, this works
2: but you have you can't put, do it with your mouse. what's up with that? <laughs>
0: seriously, if you really are just forced to use the command line, nano is a million percent better than vim that's all
1: I, have I think to say I, I think nano and vim and what is it? Emacs? Emacs. It, it is the trinity of the Holy War. That's so I don't, I don't think I we should invoke that. the Holy War upon our show <laughs> just yet.
0: Emacs sucks.
1: <laughs> and there he goes.
0: Let the hate rain down.
1: That is All Mark right. at. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. Mark at elementop.com. Seth, what is your uh, link of the week? Your weird stuff, your uh, backyard bowling alley link of the week?
2: Okay, well, this time, um, I just posted a link in the chat room. It is Crazy Rabbit. Uh, You just uh, click on it and go there and uh, click on the rabbit. That's all you got to do.
0: Okay, thank you. By the way, One Dimensional (laughs) Tetris, I let that sucker run overnight and still couldn't get the high score. I don't know how that dude did it. He must have been playing for seven years to get that (laughs) high score.
2: But have you gone to the website? Did you uh? Did you click on the rabbit? No, I haven't. Oh, well, you have to. It's uh, it only takes a moment.
0: Okay. Well, I was sort of in the middle of doing a show. You may have heard of it. It's called Everyday Linux.
2: But then you could do you could comment on my link. It's part of the show. It's it got my whole section. Seth's link. <laughs> okay. So Maybe you've heard of that.
0: <laughs> click on the rabbit, and you get a carrot. And then what? And then he grabs your cursor, and you throw him around because he thinks I, it's a carrot
2: anyway, I just <laughs> thought it was enough
0: <laughs> that's like forty five seconds of radio time that nobody will ever get back
1: or more
2: <laughs> and uh I'll try to balance it out next week with a uh, productive tip, so
0: oh, that's funny, so if you leave the cursor. Where he can't get to it where where he can get to it, he'll walk over to it and grab it,
2: yeah, you don't have so to anyway it. it's uh it's crazy rabbit, and uh <laughs> I thought people would like it
0: It's strangely addicting, Seth, and that's why I hate your links <laughs> because they're totally stupid and mind bending, and then I spend hours on them. You are the cat video god of the internet. you bring us things that are totally totally meaningless. And yet you can't look
2: away. I mean, come on. It, it, this is what you call a first world problem, if there ever <laughs> was. So, uh, you know, I, I like to do what I can to help people out.
0: All right. And so uh, we've already told you thank you for that great uh transition Seth, what you can do to help out uh the place you can go to give us feedback again we have a feedback show coming up in the very near future and the place you can give us feedback is at element click on the contact us button at the top of the page or send an email to edl that's short for everyday Linux, by the way. Uh, at elementopi.com, it will go to the three of us, and we will read it, and we will mock your bad grammar, and then maybe do something else about it. Um, <laughs> or you can leave us a voicemail by dialing 559 i am or going to our webpage and clicking the leave us a voicemail appropriately named widget at the top of the page. We want to hear from you. We love to hear from you. So uh, Do that go to iTunes, rate and review, throw money at my feet. Those are your assignments for
1: the week. Maybe not in that order.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, and and bring me a ham sandwich. Pseudo, so
2: bring me a ham sandwich. There yeah, you go.
0: I, I assume everybody listening to the show knows that joke. But it's it's just it's the classic joke. Guy sitting on the couch says to his roommate, woman, boyfriend, whatever, make me a sandwich. And the the other person says, "No." And He says sudo make me a sandwich. Okay. They go make him a sandwich. Cuz that's the power of sudo. If that's you're in right. an Ubuntu and you say reboot, it says no. And you say sudo reboot. And it says system is rebooting now.
1: That's right. Because sudo rules all.
0: One command to rule them all. Uh guys, thanks for being with us as always. An enjoyable time was had. By all. And by the way, we might accidentally have learned something in the process. Um, what? Thanks what? for the for the Linux Ghost and a few others uh, being in the chat room. Uh, and for the handful of people who watch live, you can do that ordinarily Sunday nights uh, at uh eight PM Eastern time. And uh, check us out. We're we're much better looking on audio, I'm afraid, uh, but at least you can see speak all the for weirdness yourself. that goes on. Yeah, I no, I can speak for you just as well on that <laughs> one, Chris. I have no no issue speaking for you on that one. But anyway, join us live. We have a good time. There's usually a back channel discussion going on in the chat room that uh, we may or may not bring into the show because sometimes it is simply not worth airtime.
1: Or um, appropriate.
0: Yes, that too. Uh, we love having you. You're the reason we do this show. I hope you had a wonderful Easter, and please find all those eggs. And for now, that ends this episode of Everyday Linux.